Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original, lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com slash Fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. I've been spending a lot of time in the greenhouse lately, starting tomato, pepper, and onion seeds. Now, you don't have to be a gardener for very long to realize the advantages of having a backyard hobby greenhouse. It's an ideal place to start seeds or get cuttings to root. A greenhouse is also great for overwintering tender plants or even small citrus trees. We talk with Mark Seibert of Sturdy Built Greenhouses in Oregon about the questions you should ask yourself before purchasing a greenhouse. There will be tips for installing water and electricity. You'll want those. Tips on installing a foundation. You'll want it level. Choosing the right door is important. If you're going to be hauling citrus trees, for example, inside for the winter, uh, you'll want a pretty wide door. And things to consider if you're thinking of a lean-to greenhouse, one that attaches to the side of your house. We're podcasting from Barking Dog Studios here in the beautiful Abutilon jungle in suburban purgatory. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, and we're brought to you today by Smart Pots and Dave Wilson Nursery. And we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. If you've listened to this show long enough, you know that I've owned a greenhouse for a long time. I couldn't picture gardening without a greenhouse, especially in the springtime. Great for getting an early start on pepper seeds and tomato seeds and then growing specialty items, too, in the greenhouse. If you want orchids, hey, you need a greenhouse, really. But if you've never had a greenhouse, what are some basics you should know before you plunk down your money? We're talking with Mark Seibert. He owns Sturdy Built Greenhouse up in the Portland, Oregon area. They've been building greenhouse kits for something like 60 years. And Mark, when somebody comes in who's never owned a greenhouse, what are their usual questions? Hey, Fred. It's certainly a real welcome thing to be speaking with you. You know, as a former Californian, I get it living in the Sacramento area, how it can be hot sometimes and windy and such. So the first question that come to mind is where do I put my greenhouse? Because I've got a choice. I've got uh, I got a shaded area over here. I've got full sun over there. I can put it up against my house. Is there any benefits there? So where you put your greenhouse should follow some basic guidelines. And it's almost the to the pirate's code, right? right. There's no rules. <laughs> well, I, so I like to say all gardening is local, so I imagine all greenhouse placement is local too. It is local because if you've got a, let's say, a large pine tree that likes to drop, you know, bombs of, of pine cones, or you've got, you know, kids that are throwing softballs and learning how to throw, you've got, uh, you know, a lawnmower that's kicking up rocks, you know, all these things are considerations. But the first consideration is you, sun is your friend, but too much sun is not your friend. Well, we know that we know that well here in Sacramento that uh, and the people I know who own greenhouses basically abandon their greenhouse in the summertime because you can easily get up to 120, 130 degrees in there. You know, abandoning your greenhouse is a, a solution, but it doesn't need to be because a greenhouse needs to breathe. It's well ventilated, meaning the hot air escapes and the cool air comes in. That's the first thing you can do. Other things you can do 
is to use shade cloth, which is attached to the outside of the greenhouse, which can lower the temperature inside your greenhouse. That's two things you can do. Beyond that, you always want to have a fan going in your greenhouse to make sure the air is being mixed up and the hot spots and the cool spots are being mixed together. The last thing you can do if you really want to use it year-round is you put in an evaporative cooler that'll basically act as an air conditioner in your greenhouse while adding a little bit of humidity. I have a question about shade cloth. Is it more effective to suspend it over the roof instead of laying it on the roof? Suspending it over your roof is perfectly fine. I find it's more effective if it's right on the roof and it's attached to the roof for this reason. If you have a wind or a gust come up, you don't want to be chasing your shade cloth down to your neighbor's house. If it's attached to the roof, um, we particularly prefer a solution that has grommets on the outside that are hung on panhead screws. And it's like snapping it on because it's made to fit. But you can do, you know, I have customers that'll just take large sheets of shade cloth and drape it over. I have another one that bought a, a, a structure that goes over her greenhouse that has a shade that goes automatically across. You know, that's not necessarily for everyone and a, quite an expensive solution, but just simply keep it so it's attached to the greenhouse so you don't end up flying, having it fly away and having to chase your neighbors. Of course, then again, you may have wonderful neighbors and you may be able to have a nice story with them when you pick it up. So getting back to placement of a greenhouse, which exposure is best? You know, the, the basic rules, Fred, that I like is a southern exposure because that gives you full sun. You get the, the sunrise in the in the east. You get the full sun and and the sunset in the west. So that way there. And it also gives you a shady side as well. So the, the long part of your greenhouse, if you have it southern facing, is the best of best. Is it fatal if that is not, if your greenhouse is oriented 90 degrees different, whereas the short end of your greenhouse? No, it is not. What if my location is totally shaded? What do I do? Well, you still get light in, and most of the season you will. But if you still need more light, we can thank our friends in the cannabis industry who invested in LED lighting. The, that lighting, which is so so effective in the green and the, or excuse me, the red and the blue spectrums, it can provide great lighting to assist in the growing for anything you need if you're in a totally shaded location. Well, that brings up another question that I bet a lot of first-time greenhouse buyers kind of forget about and have to approach it in the back end, and that's what your greenhouse needs in the way of power and water. Great question, because the last thing you need is to having to be take buckets of water out to your greenhouse. What I like to do is I like to have a hose bib inside my greenhouse. I don't want it up against the wall. I want it on the outside of my benches because I don't like crawling under a bench to turn it on. So that's the first thing. You need water. And get it into your greenhouse. Get a hose bib in there. And if you can find a solution that you don't have to have one of those Home Depot hoses that you trip over, that's a better solution for your water. Mm. And a water wand is always helpful. Going on to electricity, one of the things you're going to need in your greenhouse is a fan. You want that fan going 24 by 7. The best ones are wall mount oscillating fans because they mix up the air. And as we all know, when you close the door on a greenhouse, it's a stagnant air situation. Do plants grow strong if they're in stagnant air? No, of course not. Take your tomatoes. If your tomatoes grow up without any wind tension, they grow up weak. Once the fruit comes, they plop over. 
not a good situation. So you have a fan, so you'll need electricity for your fan. If you have an electric heater because you want to heat your greenhouse in the winter season or fall season, you'll need electricity for that. And if you want to put a heat mat in, or if you want to start have starts, heat mats are terrific aids when you're doing starts. You'll just put that heat mat down, you put your peat pots on with your seeds in them, and that heat will just go right up into those pots and they'll start to start to grow and pretty much you're off to propagating. So heat mat, lights, fans, all that is neat for electricity. I like running it underground from your house. Same with the water, you run it underground and have to come up inside your greenhouse. That way there, there's no trip hazards, shock hazards, and it's all, of course, the, G, the electricity. I prefer a GCFI protected circuit. And that goes back to the foundation of the greenhouse because electrical and water would have to be done for a found, before a foundation can go in if you're pouring a, a concrete foundation. But what are some yeah. of the, the other foundations besides concrete that you could use for a greenhouse? You know, the foundation that you choose is a function of two different things, the soils and the size of greenhouse. As the greenhouse gets larger, you're going to need a masonry foundation. More modest-sized greenhouses, called a 7x7, seven seven, you can use a treated timber and a bed of gravel, and that treated timber and that bed of gravel is, you know, screwed together on all four corners, and I would recommend putting um, stakes on the inside perimeter of those those treated timbers to keep, and you strap them together, and you have those stakes strapped to, to those, and then that keeps those stakes from wiggling around. So at the wood foundation, in a bed of gravel, so there's no water, there's no soil contact or water contact on those treated timbers, and they stay dry. So that's a treated timber. Masonry foundation is always good. You want to have good footing on it. And then from there, you'll probably put a mud sill on top of that masonry foundation and allow you to screw your greenhouse or attach your greenhouse easily to that foundation but it gets even better fred once <laughs> if, if you if you let's say you have a home with some beautiful flow finish on your on your walls you know on your on your home so it's like a stone or a brick how do you get it so that greenhouse integrates into your garden so when someone goes into your house and they say that belongs there it matches versus where did that come from so what you do is on that that foundation and base wall which is the the sturdy part of the greenhouse at the bottom, you can put, let's say, center block, maybe one or two courses up, and then you, on top of that, you, you, you would put a piece of wood to treat a timber, then you'd screw your greenhouse on top of that. The idea is once you have that masonry wall, you can put a full finish, call it brick, call it stone, and have it match your home, your garden design, and so it looks like it belongs there. How's that? <laughs> you went beyond me. I'm just a gardener, but I could see where a lot of people would want that matching situation. Yes. <laughs> there, yeah, there, you know, foundations. I, having built a couple of greenhouses myself, I can tell you when it comes to foundations, make it whatever you want, but make it level. Yes, it needs to be square. You're absolutely right. You know, the old adage is if it's square and level, you're, if you're going to be putting a door in your greenhouse that's going to be more than a zipper tie, zip door. It's going to be in there, and it's like a standard door. You need it. It's going to go much easier if it's a level and square foundation. And it's not hard to do. There's techniques that are available to find out if it's square, and you can always use level. So, just a little bit of advanced work because you want that greenhouse to last you more than one or two seasons. If you do a good job on the foundation, you'll have a long-lasting greenhouse. 
I'm proud to have Smart Pots as a sponsor of the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. I like their products. I use their products. I would buy their products again. What exactly, you might be asking, is a Smart Pot? It is the original award-winning fabric planter. It's sold worldwide, and it's all made right here in the United States of America. Smart Pots come in a wide array of sizes, too. They can be reused year after year. Go to their website and check out all that they offer and get a lot more information about Smart Pots. Smart Pots are available at independent garden centers as well as select Ace and True Value stores nationwide. They're also available at Amazon.com. And I tell you what, if you visit their website, smartpots.com slash Fred, you can get a nice discount if you buy those Smart Pots on Amazon. Hmm. Check it out. It's smartpots.com slash Fred for your discount on Smart Pots. It's the original award-winning fabric planter made right here in the USA. If you haven't shopped at your favorite independently owned nursery lately, well, you're missing out. Now arriving are Dave Wilson Nursery's excellent lineup of farmer's market favorites. It's great tasting and healthy fruit and nut varieties. They're already potted up and ready to be planted. We're talking about almonds, blackberries, blueberries, boysenberries, figs, grapes, hops, kiwi, mulberries, olives, pomegranates, and much more. Oh, you want more? Well, here you go. Your favorite Dave Wilson bare root deciduous fruit trees are arriving. Peaches, plums, cherries, including my favorite, the plum apricot cross, the pluot. Wholesale grower Dave Wilson Nursery has probably the best lineup of great tasting fruit and nut trees of any grower in the United States. Find out more at their website, DaveWilson.com. And while you're there, check out all the videos they have on how to plant and grow all their delicious varieties of fruit and nut trees. Plus, at DaveWilson.com, you're going to find the nursery nearest you that carries Dave Wilson's plants. Your harvest to better health begins at DaveWilson.com. We're talking greenhouses with Mark Seibert of Sturdy Built Greenhouses in Portland. We were talking about greenhouse placement about foundations about how you can get it to match your home things like that but there's a lot more to greenhouses that you may not realize until after you've purchased a greenhouse and go "Uh oh i wish i had done this or that so mark let's talk about some of those this or that and one area that i noticed on less expensive greenhouses are the doors. And we talked about how you really need a good level foundation to hang a door correctly. But at Sturdy Built, you pre-hang those doors, don't you? Yes, we do. We pre-hang them. We actually manufacture the doors in our shop. And we give options for the customer. Let's say a customer wants a Dutch door. Think of the old show, Mr. Ed. You remember those Dutch doors where the half you can open the top half and the bottom half stays there? That's sometimes a great solution, but again, when that top half is open, you're going to be letting flying critters in, so that's another consideration. That's why God invented screen doors, right? Exactly. So, do, do you have screen doors? Um, we don't offer screen doors, but our frame, we use standard doors, so you can put a screen door on there if you want. Hmm. Okay. That makes Okay, so you've got Dutch doors. You can take your door, and you can put a ventilation in your door. We have a type of window. It's uh, We call it a jealousy window. Some would call it a louvered window. Other people may call it a Florida window, depending on where you grew up. But that louvered window could be in the top half of your door. So that way the door is doing double duty. So we had Dutch doors. We had we had doors with um, glass that you can open. 
And then thirdly, you can have either what they call a full light door, so there's glass from top to bottom, so you're getting more light in, which is a good thing, or you can have a half light door where the, it's just in the top. So there's always options when you're looking at doors about how you want it to appear, even on door handles and stuff, stuff like that. So there's some answers on doors. I would hope, too, that you have a selection of wider doors, because I remember with my old greenhouse, I could I could fit my wheelbarrow through on my new greenhouse. I can barely get through. Oh, my goodness. I've you know, I've seen those greenhouses where it's like a 20 inch opening and something like that. And you feel like you have to suck in your tummy when you walk in. So, yes, we when you can get a you know 24 inches, the minimum door we offer. But our door widths go up to 36 inches and that 35 inches. 30 inches and of course we can do double doors that when you have a double door you can open it up and have a five foot opening to pull just about anything in that gets to be you know one of the things people want to use a greenhouse for is for overwintering their citrus let's say you have a Myers lemon and you want to get it in for the winter time so it doesn't frost over and freeze so you want to be able to have a big enough opening so you can get your hand truck bring it into that door if you had a 24 inch opening it's a little bit hard sometimes but if you got a 30-inch or 35-inch or 36-inch opening, you're golden. Yeah, that's a great idea for anybody with sensitive plants that when the temperatures here in Sacramento get down to 30 degrees or 32, if you have your plants in containers, you need a place to put them. What better place than a greenhouse? And I like that. In fact, in my own greenhouse here in Portland, what I do is I over limit, overwinter my uh, Myers lemon. I put my orchid in there, and I even put my strawberries in there. And even today, you know, I, my Myers lemon is blooming, and boy, those flowers smell wonderful. Oh, yeah. That's the that's the other beauty of a greenhouse are, are, are all the aromas that are there. You brought up something earlier that I know is very vexatious to anybody who owns a greenhouse, and that's flying critters who who come into the greenhouse and uh, oh. in in a lot of situations it white it's white flies but then and i've seen situations in my own case where it's been a uh, paper wasp nest yeah and boy you know from the south we take the word critters and boy they are pesky so what we want to do is if we have any windows on the on the sidewall to let ventilationists want to make sure there's a screen on the outside of those Number one, and if we have a roof vent that opens, we want screens on those. The whole point is to get it screened in. We were talking previously about having a Dutch door, and the challenge with that is you open that up and you'll get those flying critters in. So that's just the downside of having a Dutch door. But Dutch doors aren't for everybody. The point is, what you want to do is keep those flying critters out that you don't want. The other people, some people will say, "Hey, don't you want those the good good critters in to do pollination?" I think that's a great point. The challenge is how do you do screening that only lets the good in and not the bad? <laughs> I think it's very hard in my personal experience. So I'd rather just, just put out, put a, you know, just put a screening in there, keep my greenhouse as a controlled growing environment so that whatever you're growing, you're doing it to the type of soil, type of temperature, type of humidity for your greenhouse. So, Fred, can I give you a, a thought on two on adding humidity in your greenhouse? Sure. Yeah, you know, the cheapest and easiest, easiest way to add humidity in your greenhouse is to get a misting system on a timer and just spray your floor. Whatever your floor is, crushed gravel, bricks on sand, or even concrete, and let evaporation do its thing in the summer. That's how you add humidity in your greenhouse, just easy. And not only that, it controls the temperature, too. Yes. 
Let's talk a little bit about walls of a greenhouse. I noticed at the uh, Sturdy Built website, uh, you use a lot of glass in your greenhouses instead of uh, polycarbonate. Why is that? Well, glass is one for because when you're in your greenhouse, you want to be able to look out. And also glass has the ability to, you know, let a lot of light in. So it's got that double good there. The glass is also architectural because itself has has rigidity and it helps the structure for for that. So polycarbonate is also a material that we use, you know, as far as exterior glazing. We use the term glazing in greenhouses. Um, you can use standard glass, which is a neal glass, one ancient one eighth inch thick, or you can use tempered glass, which is four times. Now we are and the other the third material we can use on the outside is a polycarbonate. That is such a great material. You look at it on the side and it looks like cardboard. That's why they call it twin wall polycarbonate. And when you do use polycarbonate, you want to make sure that you have a UV coating on the outside because that polycarbonate and that wonderful California sun will end up re- eroding itself and you'll end up getting brittle. So the idea is you can use twin wall, but the twin wall has some other attributes you need to be aware of. Some of them are good. Number one, it's lighter than glass, so it's easier on your frame. Number two, it can take a hit. So you know you can take twin wall, and as long as it's mounted in a good channel, you can pound on it. So if a, a softball hits it, not a problem. So the other attribute is its R-value. Now, R-value is a term we hear mostly with um, insulation. So you have your R19, R24, that you can see at Home Depot. It's this pink insulation and stuff. Well, the same value is used when we're talking about the glazing on a greenhouse. But let's go back to glass. Glass has a very unimpressive R value of one. Okay, can we do better? Well, tempered glass is still glass, so it's still one. What about that twin wall polycarbonate? That twin wall polycarbonate, depending on which, how thick it is, is about 50% more thermally efficient. So it has an R value of one and a half. How's that for exterior glazing? (laughs) <laughs> well, at least polycarbonate is lighter than glass. <laughs> oh, yeah. Easier to put in, but it does have its doubles here and there. Another thing you do with the greenhouses that you sell are the the walls, the, the, the frame. It's redwood. Oh, yes, it is. You know, we all have – there's a lot of choice in the frame of your greenhouse, and there's reasons why you would choose one or the other. Let's start with metal, then we'll go to plastic. And then we'll go to wood. We'll kind of compare and contrast. First of all, you can have a metal frame greenhouse. It's going to be the strongest greenhouse material out there. Great framing. The downside is most of the metal we use today is aluminum. Where does that aluminum come from? It comes from strip mining. I'm not a, personally a fan of strip mining, so I would rather not use a material for that. The next thing to know about metal is from a thermal efficiency, metal will allow heat and cool to transfer far far more than other materials. So that's metal. The next thing you go to is plastic. Well, plastic is fine, but over time, the plastic will get brittle. And not only that, where's the plastic come from? I don't want to have dinosaurs growing anymore, so I'd rather not, I'd rather reduce the amount of plastics I use and be more, more economical and more ecological. So that leaves wood. What I like about wood is that it's more thermally efficient than any other materials. It looks great and can be in a strong enough. And when you're looking at wood, there's different species of wood, and each one has a positive and negative. You can use cedar, for example. We choose to use a California redwood, clear heart redwood, and that clear heart redwood compared to cedar is 20% stronger, more stronger, 
has natural oils in it, and it's just a just drop dead gorgeous when you get that stained up, and it just looks great. Yeah, we didn't even have time to get into lean twos, but there's that whole uh, phase of greenhouses as well, besides freestanding. Yes, there is. So you know, just you know, you may have the side of your garage, you may have the side of your home where you say that would be a great place to attach a greenhouse. You may want to do use it for multiple use. It is possible to do that. Of course, it is always a horticultural space, not a living space, so it's a little bit different on the building codes. But it is possible to attach it to your home, use your existing home siding, so your home is fine, and then go out from there. But, you know, attaching your greenhouse or having it lean to you on your greenhouse, um, you always have to think about where it will attach to because the, every greenhouse should have a roof pitch because we want the water to go down your down the roof and to the ground. And that roof pitch will, will affect how wide your greenhouse can be. So if you've got an eave that's eight feet and you have a roof pitch of a greenhouse, you may only be able to go out about six feet on your greenhouse if it has to go under that eave. If it has to go out and around your eave, that's a different story. But if you're... You know, depending on your situation, it's best to, you know, call your greenhouse manufacturers, ask them how it's going to be attached, ask them what's possible. Good point. We should, I want to point out something. Uh, if there is one business that truly lives by the phrase, you get what you pay for, it, it comes to greenhouses. And if people are greenhouse shopping, you're going to see a wide range of prices. Well, trust me, any greenhouse uh, less than four figures is going to be a greenhouse you may soon regret right after getting it, that you need to spend a little money to get a good quality greenhouse that you're going to be happy with. And Happy Customers is the name of the game. I would think it's sturdy built. It is the name of the game because the greenhouses we build are, should last you 20 to 30 years. How do I know that? Because I'm, I have... We have avid gardeners who are using our greenhouse, and when their greenhouse has run its course, it's usually a greenhouse that's been 20 or 30 years old. The other green, the only other greenhouse that was younger than that that we've replaced is one that had a bad foundation. We were talking earlier about foundations. Well, that foundation went south because the customer used railroad ties. When they cut those railroad ties, they were treated on the outside, but that cut, they did not retreat. So mm. it brought it out, bad foundation whole greenhouse had to be replaced. But when you when you invest, it's, it's like an investment because, you know, you can you can spend a little bit of money and be economically, you know, fine on that, but you'll end up having to respend the new dollars to replace that after it falls down. You know, we have had customers that uh, they ended up being our customers. They come to us and they say, okay, how much is my greenhouse? Let's say a, a 7 by 9 trillion greenhouse. And they'll say, look at the price on that. And they'll say, golly gee, you know, we can do better. So they'll go to another source, they'll purchase that, and they'll come back. And I've had customers come back and say, A, we never had, we were never able to, to finish it because the kit was incomplete. B, the kit was never delivered. Or C, it fell down. <laughs> so all those things happen, and I've seen it happen over and over again that I can almost tell the customer, says, you're going to be coming back, and here's three reasons. Yep. And when you do, we'll be glad to see you. <laughs> Sturdy Build is based up in the Portland area. Their website is sturdybuilt.com, and I'll spell that for you. It's S-T-U-R-D-I-Built-B-U-I-L-T.com. Mark Seibert, owner of Sturdy Build Greenhouses, thanks for giving us some greenhouse basics today. You're very welcome, Fred, and good growing for you and for your audience.
Because there are so many demands on your time these days, well, I like to keep the Garden Basics podcast to under 30 minutes. But still, there's a lot more to tackle on all the garden subjects we bring up on the podcast. So for that and a lot more, we're starting up the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter. It'll be on Substack. It'll go into more details about what you just heard on the latest podcast. So yes, it will be a good supplement for the Garden Basics podcast, but there'll be a lot more garden-related material and, uh, you know, probably pictures of my dogs and cats as well. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter. It's on Substack. And best of all, it's free. There's a link in today's show notes, or just go to substack.com and do a search for the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred. That's substack.com. The Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter. Did I tell you it's free? It's free. Garden Basics comes out every Tuesday and Friday. It's brought to you by Smart Pots. Garden Basics is available wherever podcasts are handed out, and that includes Apple, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, Google, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and Pocket Casts. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. We appreciate it.